comes in, I think I hear her off in the distance. to the Pastor's Cut podcast for the week of October 15th, 2023. We are rolling, and um, just as a couple of weeks ago, we started without Dave, so we decided today to start without Marissa, but I think... (laughs) (laughs) Perfect timing. She she probably thinks that we're not really recording. We're really recording. Oh, I know you are. Okay, so Marissa's (laughs) walking in. She has a a problem. Her problem is called Triangle Coffee, or whatever it's called now. It's it's changed hands, right? It's officially origin now. It's origin. So you go over there on Tuesday mornings, you do a lot of prep, and then yeah. I guess sometimes you lose track of time, maybe? I, I think that, um, man, it would not be... Do I lose track of time? Yes. Yes. You yes. just kind of get in. To, so. be, to be fair to Marissa, there also was a period of time where there were so many meetings in the other building that by the time I got over here... It, We'd start 1040, yeah. 10.45 <laughs> instead of 10.30. So. So, so we're creating a relaxed culture with the Pastor's Cut podcast that, you know, hey, Dave was late. We're just going to start. Marissa's late. I have no doubt here in a few weeks it'll be me. That's it has Marissa. been in the past. Now listen. <laughs> I've been late listen. here before. So I dare you all to start without me. I mean, do, do that right before review we time, too. Because right we before respect review time. You yes. Brilliant. You. Yeah, y'all can start with I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You know, we Westerners are really uptight about time. Me, me most of all. But if you've ever done mission trips to Latin American countries or, you know, 8 o'clock means an hour on either side of that yeah, time yeah. to start. So, yeah. Man, I, if I was in charge, this would be such a great segue. But maybe I'm just in the wrong culture. Oh, that's it. Maybe you are in the wrong <laughs> culture. Very good. So we're bantering um, as we began here today. And, you know, we're in fall now. So favorite thing to do for the fall? Just Let's just kind of compare notes for, for me, just give you an idea of what... Um, what our family enjoys. We, for years and years, we've gone to Carmichael's out in Bixby. Pumpkins, and they, you know, they have all kinds of apple butter, and I love chow chow, and they sell some great Amish chow chow out there. So every year we go out to Carmichael's, take pictures, uh, watch the little kids falling over pumpkins. That's just one of our <laughs> one of our favorite things to do. So what about you guys? What about fall do you enjoy? Well, I love everything about fall because it's the season where the world isn't trying to kill you. So you can go that, outside, that's true. and and the sun's not you know oppressive, and it's not freezing yet, and it's my favorite season. And the spring mm. has tornadoes. I like so. a warm beverage. I like a sweater. Okay. So, but yeah, we go to the pumpkin patch, and um, we love Halloween. My kids always have really um, extensive <laughs> Halloween costume needs. They're so into it's it. A, yeah, it's a time of sewing and creativity and what's being your outside. Fa- what's your favorite warm beverage? Oh, um, ooh, I, I don't discriminate. I love all warm beverages. Really? I love chai. I Very love nice. a cider. Okay. Uh, not a hard cider. No, I guess I should, of not. should specify let's, let's not, a, not a hot toddy. <laughs> We're talking about a Baptist-approved warm beverages. Okay, Baptist-approved warm <laughs> beverages. Dave, what about you? So I do love coffee as well. I would love to go outside. I'm allergic to so many things. Oh, no. And in the fall, Poor while guy. the fall is such a wonderful time to be outdoors... <laughs> There's so many things in the air that make it hard for me to breathe. So, <laughs> so the world I'm, is trying to kill Dave. Still so the world to kill is trying Dave. to kill still me to while kill it's while you're you're fine <laughs> and, and doing well. So what I love to do in the fall, uh, my wife makes an amazing chili, 
which mm. I'll also throw in a promo in about a month. On November 1st, we are having our third annual chili cook-off at Midweek at First. And so if you make a really good recipe, make it. Sign up for it. Throw, throw it so out there. Represent your, your best chili for our church family. It's a great way for, for you to share some food and recipes with our church family. It's fun. So my, my wife makes great chili. I love on, on Saturdays watching college football and eating chili. Very good. In fact, I think that triggered you because Brad back there said yes. one of his favorite things is his deer. Brad, are you making the deer chili for the Wednesday night get-together? I have, I had not thought that I was, but perhaps I am now. You know what? <laughs> if you did, you, you would probably win. Well, you know, we had the staff chili cook-off several years ago. and when, I did, When did this happen? I did. I'm not bragging, but I did win that one. So <laughs> I think we I think we need some deer chili on that Wednesday night. Ah, uh, yeah, half and half. Actually, my favorite part of which is kind of related to deer chili because you have to have deer in order to have deer chili. Maybe. Uh, well, yeah. There's that. <laughs> no, I I really enjoy. Um, I really enjoy that. Unless, unless it's an affectionate chili. And you say, oh, I love my uh, deer chili. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That I was nice? thinking of scientifically mm. produced deer meat. But <laughs> yeah. <right>. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> deer is in D-E-E. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, lots of E's in there. Um, yeah, I like being outdoors in the fall. It's um, setting outdoor. I, I do a little hunting and fishing in the fall. Mm. So setting in a deer blind with a big warm cup of coffee and just kind of watching the world wake up. And if you get a deer, great. And if you don't, that's great too. And um, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's, it's really something I love dearly. So, no so pun for, intended. For so. Brad, it is uh, not only getting to devour the deer, but to kill it too. Right. Uh, harvest. I think harvest is, is the word. <laughs> all of this, all of this yes. is so tied uh, in so Population nicely. control. Isn't it though? Well, <laughs> welcome, welcome to fall and, uh, and we're going to jump in, and for October 15th, uh, we're working our way through the creed, mm-hmm. one uh, phrase or one section at a time. Uh, we've covered God the Father. He's, he is the defining relationship of our life. Uh, we are talking through Jesus Christ being our Lord, and our personal loyalty and our total allegiance belongs to Him. That's what that word means. And then that longest section of the creed, uh, it begins with Jesus' descent uh, all the way from His incarnation to His death, and his ascent as he is uh, resurrected, as he ascends to the Father, as he represents us in heaven today. And that very last clause of the Jesus paragraph is, he will return to judge the living and the dead. And as I was mapping out this teaching series, I, I thought about going in two directions. We could get into Revelation and talk about the time of Jesus's return and all the events surrounding that. Boy, you get into a lot of uh, convoluted narratives and a lot of controversy doing that, or instead of talking about how things are going to happen, or excuse me, yeah, how things are going to happen mechanically, to talk about a little more big picture and to say what is going to happen mm-hmm. with Jesus's judgment of the world and what that means for us now. So in talking about Jesus's judgment, I decided to default to one of his parables. Because while we're not given a timeline here, we are given some insight uh, as to his judgment, his final judgment, and what that means for us right here, right now. And plus, who just doesn't love a good story? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and and it always cracks me up when um, every now and then I'll meet a person to say, you know, Darren, I wish you were, you know, more exegetical in your teaching and you would, you know, take apart these words and these words and these words. And I, I, I get that and I try to be that. But sometimes people will say, and I wish you wouldn't tell as many stories. Like, well, 
hey, time out there for just a second. <laughs> and it's, it's just my style. But also we see Jesus doing that, communicating mm-hmm. truth through story. So he takes something that's really weighty. Uh, and by the way, I believe anyone can have any opinion they want to about a speaker. You need to find a pastor and a teacher that resonates best with you. But uh, Jesus communicates the heaviness of judgment with a parable. So let's do this. Marissa, let's read the account. This is going to be from Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 24 through 30. Mm-hmm. We'll reflect on the story for just a moment, and then Jesus unpacks this parable a few verses later. So there's a, a little bit of an interpretation done here afterwards. So Marissa, tell the story that Jesus told. Well, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at that time I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So it's important to realize that this is a parable. And in telling this story, and and with all of Jesus' parables, there's typically one straightforward point that he is trying to deal with. And there there are spinoff applications of that, but typically his parables were meant to get inside your mind and to, in a way, kind of reprogram our minds mm-hmm. and how we think mm-hmm. and drive home a simple point. So if I were to be teaching this, I would say the one point seems to be this, and if y'all want to push back and disagree, please do, that God will deal with evil, but at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so in the here and now, we've got plenty of evil in the culture, evil in the church. Listen, God is not being inattentive. He knows that evil's here, but he will deal with it at the right time and in the right way. And what we need to do between now and then as we experience evil in our world is trust. Now, I'm going to bounce it to you guys. What do you think? Is there a way to better word that, or do you disagree? Do you think the, the point is a, tilted a little more in one direction or another? Who, who wants to go first? So I do think this is a lot about judgment and about God judging at the appropriate time, at the eschaton, and, and between now and then there's temptation for us to be invited in to, to jump into judgment in all kinds of places. I think the parable is speaking very strongly. Jesus is speaking very strongly to challenge us. Don't be baited to enter into foolish debates that aren't about the mission or the focus, because in doing so, we can do more harm than do more good. Okay. Oh, and Dave threw out a big word there, eschaton. Mm. If, if you're teaching this on, on Sunday... Double dog dare you. You just, get 10 points instead of 5. Just say, hey, we're going to talk about the eschaton today. So that's a Greek <laughs> word. It uh, means last things. So uh, there's a whole area of theology called eschatology. So it's the, it's the study, the, the doctrine of last things. And this, this feeds into that. So Marissa, what are you thinking over there? You're yeah. scrolling like crazy on your computer. <laughs> you know, the, one of my absolute favorite biblical motifs is the creation I think that's clear by the things that I, I point out and things. But um, when I read that Origen understood this as a mirror of creation, I got really excited oh, okay. um, about the gardening aspects of this and and um, how the 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 bulk of this parable doesn't rest on the harvest and on judgment, but rather what is happening in the garden um, and uh, before that time. So I love the image of God 
sowing lavishly the seeds of a new restored creation, planting the gospel and tending to us so that we'll be receptive and enthusiastic a location for this new Eden. Um, you know, each of us has the potential now to be a source of thriving and shalom and um, a place where, you know, I love the image of God walking in his creation with us in the cool of the day. And we each have that potential now because of the lavishness of the gospel. Um, I think that something really, really important in this parable is that the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Um, we've yes. we've mm-hmm. isolated this evil. We've seen it. Um, it's obvious that uh, that these people aren't bearing fruit and, in fact, are hurting the community of God. What do you want us to do? Should we pull them up? And Jesus tells his servants very, because Jesus is the sower in this parable, um, no, you know, that's not our job. That's not our role. Um, we're not equipped to, to judge. I think of Romans 8. Who is to condemn? It's not us. It's not mm-hmm. our role. So we can strive to treat people as Jesus did by looking at the condition of people's hearts, but that should not be what we strive to do in order to judge and condemn, but rather in order to disciple those people, to help them to thrive, to help them to be reconciled to God. That should be our focus. And it's up to Jesus, who then Romans 8 goes on to say, you know, he is the one who died, and more than that, he was the one who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. It's that man who has clear vision of a person's heart, who doesn't just think, I, I think I know your intentions. I think that you're a weed. He knows for sure. He has mm-hmm. that. That's right. And also he has the heart to intercede for those people to mediate mm. and, and to love. So let me, let me play this out practically because um, church is made of people. We're ideally supposed to be a group of people that follow Jesus in the way of Jesus together. Okay, well, you deal with all kinds of people in the church. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, here's, here's who we are. If those people don't like it, they should leave. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that's always a dangerous attitude because if you're willing to sacrifice part of the flock over one issue, then what is the next issue? Mm-hmm. As a shepherd, it's also really hard to tell most of the time who is a sick sheep and who is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. And... Um, I've been pressured over the years sometimes to to correct somebody. Oh, this person is leading this community group, and they're they're evil. Mm-hmm. Go well, you know, we need to think about that just a minute because my job is to be a shepherd, mm-hmm. and um, if I can restore and heal, I want to make that my first goal. Right. Instead of okay, they're they're evil. Let's cut them out. Um, so there's there's always this tension of it's hard even as a pastor to see. Um, so my job best as I can, is to grow the flock, to protect, to provide for, to guide the flock. Now, if somebody is doing something that's dangerous and destructive, absolutely, mm-hmm. we need to step in and deal with mm-hmm. that. But that's only as a last resort, only as a last resort. And I would even throw out, maybe just as I read this passage and I, and I look at it, I wonder if he's if Jesus is talking about just the Christian community or if Jesus is talking about everybody on earth. Because ultimately, this is between the first and second coming, as Jesus has announced, the kingdom of God is here, it's in your midst, and he says right here, the kingdom of heaven is like, so the kingdom of God is, is in the world, but the reality is, is the enemy is still alive, stealing, killing, and destroying. Yeah. And so maybe this isn't just focused <laughs> on what's happening inside and what's happening everywhere around us, That's in which exactly case right. we shouldn't be worried if people who are not Christians are acting like not Christians. Right, exactly. So. And in Jesus' interpretation here, and we're going to read the second part here in just a moment, I would have you pay attention to verse 38, where Jesus talks about the field is, 
and he says, here's what, here's what the field means. Mm-hmm. Let, me, uh, let, let me offer one more little quote here before we segue. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said that the, the moral arc of the universe is long, mm-hmm. but it bends toward justice. And so um, we, we see in the right here, right now, we see evil in the world. We see it in the church. Um, sometimes we'd like things to be fixed a lot faster than what they are. They're, they're not. But the universe does bend toward justice because Jesus is the final judge. Mm-hmm. And in between times, we have to trust and wait. So, Marissa, let's, uh, let's now read verse 36 through 43. Uh, where Jesus explains the parables of the weed. And and listen especially for those words that the field is, and Jesus interprets that for us. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I love that last statement. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear, it's, it's listen to this, meditate on this. Roll it over in your mind over and over and over until it does kind of reprogram the way you think as it gets into your bloodstream and helps you build some immunities against an evil world. So going back to this idea that there is evil in the world, there is evil in the church. Ultimately, Jesus Christ will deal with all evil. And so between now and then, how ought we live? And this is really the application of um, when we say in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus will judge the living and the dead, that's not a threat, that's a mm-hmm. comfort. Right. Uh, we want a God who opposes evil. If God didn't care about evil, um, then he would not be a strong or loving God. Mm-hmm. So he does care about evil. So let me kind of throw out that application question to us now. How then should we live if we know eventually... Christ is going to weed out of the world and the kingdom all those who cause evil and those who do evil. What does that mean for how we live today? I believe, first of all, we shouldn't be baited into every crisis that that is thrown around us, whether it's through social media nonsense or it's through the latest political argument and discussion. Mm-hmm. There, there's so many ways that we could be pulled into is Trump going to be the next president? Is he not? Whatever, whatever nonsense that's going out there. And did he just say the T word? I kind of did. So I'm sorry, y'all. I but, just said like a cuss word. But by, by, by the way, um, <laughs> we are an apolitical church. Some people vote for Trump. Some people vote for Biden. Some people will vote for whoever's on the ticket this next year. I always say here, and Dave, I know I'm interrupting you, but no, I always say here: stay informed, vote your conscience, respect the results. But that's, that's what we believe as a church. And by that standard, our mission is to, as Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, to be agents of reconciliation, to represent God to the world around us and, and plead on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our mission. To, to go back out to the world and help lost people know Jesus. And so anything else distracts us, whether it's the latest 
is Taylor Swift dating somebody? I mean, <laughs> that, I can't count how many times that went my crazy social media. No, no, no. Odds are she is. Dave, Dave, that's important. <laughs> that's not. That's not a throwaway. That's really important. So, if I were to sum up your application in one word, it would be. Don't be distracted yes. by all of the evil around us. And I think that's absolutely right because there's, I mean, look at your news feed, look at your push notices, it's there. And if we're not careful, well, kind of the parable I would use, hey, a parable. Mm. If you were a kid learning to ride your bike and you were going down the street and you saw that parked car, if you focused on the parked car and say, I can't hit it, can't hit it, what are you going to do? You're going to hit it. You're going to naturally go where you focus. We're to focus on the way, not the obstacles. To, to quote the, the great 1977 movie, Star Wars, stay mm-hmm. on target, <laughs> stay on target. That's it. Nice. Hey, you know what? If uh, I tell you what, if I were teaching this, I might just show that video clip. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because there's TIE fighters all around, mm. stay on target. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. All right. Marissa, what's your application yeah. of this? Starting in verse 40 especially, there's a lot of imagery that can be kind of scary, and it's intentional. Yeah. Um, very rarely <laughs> is, is Jesus so visceral in the way that he describes judgment, um, you know, the fire and the end of the age. But the harvest was a joyful time, and we should want the harvest to be a joyful time. We should want, and, and we last week got a little bit, I, I got a little bit too much into the judgment side of things, so you might go back to last week and listen to that. Um, but the judgment is supposed to be a time of excitement and joy, and we should want that to be the experience of all people. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your group, maybe, and for our own application for in our own lives, think about what a weed is. And it's something that, you know, a plant that isn't producing the desired fruit. Um, it doesn't nourish, and it in fact takes water and resources away from the wheat so that they're stunted and they can't reach their full potential. Um, it depletes the effectiveness and the health of the entire field. So look at the condition of your own heart and really be self-aware and think, is the gospel thriving within me? Am I bearing fruit that nourishes this community and spreads the gospel? Or am I spreading resentment or um, um, or discord? Um, I think uh, what you mentioned earlier about us not being able to tell who's wheat, who's, who's uh, uh, evil, or who's just not producing fruit in the moment. Um, I think of the George Washington Carver quote um, that says, a weed is just a flower in the wrong place. Um, Mm. So as God's gardeners, we have this responsibility to recognize weeds, uh, the the people who are sowing discord, who aren't thriving, who are maybe stunting the growth of other people. Um, And we have a responsibility to transplant them to a place where they will grow strong and thrive. So that may be another ministry area, that might be another church, or it may just be intentional discipleship to mentor and transplant them to a new attitude, um, to a new state of mind. I think of, um, you know, in the past few years, people in our congregation who have been part of our family for a very long time, who we've loved and they've loved us, but there's been resentments that develop and hard feelings that develop. And so they began acting more like weeds than wheat. Um, and uh, I think of those who shared their resentments with others so that the resentment can become infectious um, and cause those who are otherwise content to stop growing. So it might be our first impulse to assume that those resentful people who were members of our family, that they're weeds. Um, you know, th- there's kind of the sleeper agent uh, yeah. aspect to this, uh, to this parable. 
But what if they were just flowers in the wrong place? So, You're so nice, uh, <laughs> You're being so nice. Well, I think specifically of a good friend of mine who recognized yeah. in themselves that they had put up barriers between themselves and the church so that they're no longer happy here. Right. And they recognized that they were tempted to spread that discord with others. So, and I have the utmost respect for that person who then, you know, recognized that, became a member of another congregation, is thriving in their relationship with God, is leading well there. And at the harvest, at the judgment, you know, people will be judged according to their acceptance of Jesus' lordship. But until then, we should treat all people as if they were wheat, um, pointing them to the sun, helping them be in the right place where they can become flowers. That's right. So there's also a sense here, and, and Marissa, you are very nice. And, and I, I agree, the mm-hmm. harvest should be a joyful time. Um, there's also, this is some very dire language. Mm. So what do we do with this? And I, for me, it's not unlike... Um, I'm going to just create a hypothetical situation. Say two parents um, abuse their child. Mm. They're taken to the courts, and the judge uh, finds them guilty, but at the end says, you know, um, I know y'all really didn't mean it. You know, I, I, we expect you can be better, and, you know, we're not, I'm not going to sentence you to any, uh, any punishment for abusing your child. We would be in revolt at right. that judge mm-hmm. because we say that's not fair. There should be consequences. And so to let somebody off the hook just doesn't satisfy our God-given desire for justice to be served. So God will deal with truly evil people. Right. And I think those who say, well, you know, everyone will be saved in the end, don't take into account the justice aspect of God that there are eternal consequences for how we live our life here now. Now, I don't say that with a a screaming voice or a wagging finger, because if it's God's desire that all people should come to repentance, that should also be our desire as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, even the most vile person, if they reverse course and turn their life over to God, can be saved, and who am I to say who can do that or not? Mm -hmm. So that's our desire is for repentance, but God will also give, if needed, judgment. Right. Colossians 3.25 says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. In Romans 12, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, say the Lord. So those are promises. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not something we can get around, and, and that's something that we can, like you said before, we can have hope in that because when we see evil, we serve a just God, a righteous God who wants to order that chaos in the world and will put things right. Yeah. And I, I think the focus of this parable, too, it's, uh, you know, the the uh, the weeds are burned and the righteous will shine. I think part of the focus here should be my heart again. If Christ is going to come and judge the living and the dead in whatever category I happen to fit into at the time of his return, um, which will I be? Will I be weed or wheat? Mm. And and you know what? I can focus on other people. That's not going to make a difference. I need to, to say, who am I and who am I becoming? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any last comments? Yeah, I really like that creation image. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, a Garden of Eden that's been corrupted. This is That's exactly what has happened. Mm-hmm. The garden was here on earth, mm-hmm. and, and weeds infiltra- infiltrated the garden, uh, and that's exactly the parable that Jesus uses here. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. As I was thinking about this, I just thought of a cool story. Uh, I say a cool story, just a little <laughs> bit of a frustrating story from my garden last summer. We, had, um, we didn't plant any corn, but out of nowhere I saw what looked like a corn uh, stock sprouting up, and then a couple more. I thought, how cool is this? We, some <laughs> bird must have flown and, and dropped some corn seed in our in our garden. Kept watering, kept watering it. About a month later, 
it never grew as tall as corn. I thought, well, something's wrong here. Maybe I'm not giving it enough water. Give it some more water. Another month went by, and the stock started sprouting these weird seed things. So I Googled it to find out what it was. It was sorghum. It oh, wasn't, really? It wasn't corn. It was mm-hmm. sorghum. So somehow sorghum ended up in our in our garden. We couldn't do anything with that. But <laughs> you make some good molasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to take the time to make some good molasses. Yeah. Yes. Is it? Tecumseh has a whole sorghum festival, right? That's, Is that that's right. Tecumseh yeah. Festival? So <laughs> I couldn't tell the difference between the corn and the sorghum. Mm-hmm. I, I think it works well in chili, by the way. Oh, well, good to know. Nothing I will like save a, it the next time that happens. Like a deer sorghum chili. <laughs> Yum. Um, I, I think that's a little bit what Jesus is talking about, mm-hmm. because Darnell, this particular seed, that's right. it looks a lot like wheat until it gets in the later stages. And so you can't tell the difference between the two. Yeah. So, so maybe the application here for me would be quit trying to do God's job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it's his job to judge, he'll do it, and he'll do it really well. Me, I can take that off my plate yeah. today. Uh, that that's not my job. I am called to trust, to do good, to delight myself in the Lord, and he'll make things right in the end. And because of that, I can have a modicum of peace. We good? Good. Mm-hmm. All right, Brad's dear chili. I think that's the favorite fall. Um, Favorite fall event. We need to get in on some of that, Brad. I can't wait to taste some. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for us, and uh, I hope you're continuing to uh, to not only read through, but I would encourage you to take time to pray through the Apostles' Creed. It is, uh, as I've used a story this last week, it is kind of the the scales of what we believe. It's the very basic notes of the New Testament, the New Testament 100 words, it's an opportunity to affirm faith, but also to remind ourselves through prayer every day what it is we believe. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. And may God grant you peace both now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.